Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham voice from down under. Well, what a night under the lights of the historic city ground, Fulham proved their Premier League potential against the side who've spent as much as any team in Europe this season. To use the old cliche, it really was a game of two halves, but the boys in white show they're a force to be reckoned with this season, coming from behind to win for the first time this year. And we're starting to silence any of those early season doubters as we head into the international break. I am joined as always by my co-hosts. Fortunately, he's based in Melbourne, so Zhao Palinia doesn't have to take out a restraining order. Sam, how are you going? It's a beautiful day. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, still excited, I'm sure, but slightly more restrained. Elton, how are we going today? I'm very well and looking forward to, to having a chat about this. Great stuff. So obviously we're going to start by talking about the Forest game. Um, so did any of us actually get up for the game to watch it live? No. Nah, yeah, nah. I, I woke up at quarter past three, thought about it and thought, no, nah, this is going to wreck my weekend. So Elton and I actually got together in the morning. We watched it at what about half past eight on uh, Saturday morning. Watched the whole game live. Didn't skip a second of it. Definitely scared Alfie by screaming a couple of times during the game after a couple of seriously good goals which we'll come on to sammy why don't you start us off there and just give us a bit of an overview of your thoughts on on the game in general i love chow palina so much he is my favorite person in in the world at the moment okay look i'll i'll, I'll rein it in because i know i can do that forever no it's an awesome game it's really it's just it was just fun to watch like and just it's i just love i just love Fulham right now I've, I I haven't loved us in like decade like in like the past decade and this this has just been this has just been awesome. Yeah, there's there's a little bits here and there that there's a bit of a bit shoddy points in like the game, but on the whole, let's keep it positive because it's just, I love Joe Pelinia so much. So yeah, I mean Joe had a a pretty amazing game. There was obviously the the wonder goal, which was probably one of the better goals I've seen Fulham score for for quite a while as well and his second goal of the game unfortunately he did get sorry not second goal of the game second goal of the season unfortunately he did get booked for the celebration i don't know if you guys picked up on that during the game yeah i saw that but i love the celebration like i just love him so much yeah i agree i mean he actually i i love the fact that he got around the fans after scoring that was great seeing him yeah. uh, i don't know if you saw the replay but he didn't quite know which way to run at first. He ran on the spot back and forth a couple of times before he realised where the fans were. Well, just on that moment, I, I thought it was great that um, he, he he was really uh, beating his chest and beating the badge. And I think um, he just, he looks like he loves being at Fulham. It's so enjoyable to watch Fulham at the moment. Not only that we're scoring goals, we're, we're, every game we, we go into, we really do look like getting a result. It, it's been a long time coming and it's, it's a lot of fun. Look, I think what's so great to see is how we're actually developing each week in small and sometimes subtle but significant ways. And, um, you know, I, I think um, that was arguably a six-pointer for us. So really great to come away with three points. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll get into it later, but there's 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 a lot to love at the moment. Like uh, I think you've both touched on there, this is a really fun Fulham team to watch play. We've obviously, you know, we were lucky in the championship last year where we just absolutely smoked the competition. But 
I think when you're playing against higher caliber sides like we are, but still putting in really good performances and they're fun performances as well, where you're seeing players be skillful in the middle, defenders really mopping up at the back, strikers taking shots and scoring. We got, you know, we'll touch on it obviously as, as we go into the game, but the fact that we had three different goal scorers today and none of them were Mitro. Um, and the fact that that's what the second time this season we put three goals away as well. Um, it's really good signs. Good to see. I know it's early season, um, but we're sitting high up in the table and it's a reflection of how we've played so far. I thought Mitrovic was excellent in this game. I thought it was amazing like what he was doing because he knew that Forrest were targeting every single corner and just the way that he was drawing players in to essentially give freedom to people like Tosin. Like if you watch that goal back that Tosin scored, Mitrovic is like drawing them into himself and it completely frees up Tosin and then all Tosin has to do is get great service by William, which he did, and just nail it. So look, let's, let's actually deep dive into the game now. So firstly, your thoughts on the lineup for the game. I, I personally was uh, surprised beforehand seeing what the lineup was. I am not a football expert. Don't know if that was already clear, but it just, I, I was the same as you. When I saw that lineup, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And yet it just really underscores how good Marco Silva is. Because this is probably like the third time he's done this where he's put out a lineup and I'm like, I don't agree. I don't get it. And then watching it, in like watching it and seeing it go down, I thought Diop had the best game that he's had so far. Reem was at left back, which in any other scenario would be kind of offensive. And I thought he played awesome. And then also Bobby like trailing back every now and then to kind of like fill that role of like left back to then for them to basically kind of form like a back three. I thought it was really excellently done. And just kind of shows that Marco's creativity and how he just he just gets how to work this team. Also, his blazer looked amazing. Dad, um, your thoughts on the lineup? I know we were sat next to each other and both sort of going, "What's happening here?" Look, I think um, before we even dive into that, I think it's absolutely right that we discuss, commend, and praise Marco Silva for what he's doing here. Um, he is clearly tactically very smart. I think he's also a really good man manager. He's He's got a lot of love in that room. He's got that whole team really, really wanting to play well for him. Not least that he's created beautifully kind of constructed competition for many places um, around the, the, the field. But he he's he's a very good manager for what we need right now. He's perfect for what we need. Um, yeah, look, I think um, Reem going to left back it, it shouldn't really have surprised us. No, we we none of us thought of that when we were discussing how we might line up if Robinson was unavailable. But obviously, you know, Reem, you know, he's played left back for plenty of his career, so he knows what he's doing there. Um, I was a little bit worried that, um, uh, you know, we, we've unsettled the structure of, of our defence. But again, um, Silva was clearly very confident that this was going to work. Um, I think everyone probably drew a little bit of breath when they saw Diop in the starting lineup based on his uh, his cup performance. But 
um, and I'll get into it later, but I, I, I thought he was magnificent. I thought he was great. And I'm very, very happy that we've signed him and he looked confident, totally in command. And it just, our whole defensive unit and the transformation of our defense has moved up another notch for me, both in terms of flexibility and utility and also in terms of numbers, sheer numbers and backup. I, I was... I, I was surprised that Silver went with Ream at left back. Um, I think having seen what we've done so far this season and how important Robinson's pace has been, I think putting probably the slowest player in our team at left back was a quite a big call. I think I'm going to say Silver kind of got away with one today. I think he, I think it was a bit of a needs must kind of move. I don't think it was a tactical decision. I think he didn't have Robinson fit and he didn't have Kazawa fit. Uh, I think the the move for Diop, I'd I'd fully discount that cup game. I don't think you can use that as a marker for how these guys were going to perform through the rest of the season. Um, So if Diop had started with Tosin, I would have been fine with that anyway. I think the Ream swap was, like I said, a needs must. I think... Robinson's likely going to be back after the international break. And so we we were taking a bit of a chance there. Fortunately, it paid off. Uh, there are a couple of instances during the game where I thought it wouldn't pay off, but Ream actually had a really, really good game. And I think, as Sammy said, Bobby decked over Reed tracked back really nicely as well and helped out. So it, it did kind of work in the end. I'm not sure. I, I think it was more of a chance it and see than a really good tactical move. Yeah, but I think there is um, a lot to be said for Silver, at least knowing that like we couldn't do this against like Tottenham or Chelsea. But the way he kind of knew, at least in my brain, that if he puts Reem there, at least Reem knows where he should be. And it's like a trusted person that Bobby knows to come back if at any given point. And like he just picked a team that everyone seems to know each other. And the only... The only exception to that would have been Diop. And then Diop, all he had to do was essentially play well. And he did. So, But again, it's making the best of the situation you find yourself in, which is a good manager. You know, if if this was Chelsea, um, you know, would would we have been fretful with Ream at left back? Maybe. Yes. Yes. Maybe with their wingers? Maybe. But it wasn't Chelsea. We, you know, just the luck of the the draw. and so he, I think he managed it brilliantly. Yeah. I mean, look, it worked out. We won the game. So he's he's done the right thing. It was the right call to make in the end. And there's there's no arguments about that because of the result. Well, I also think that actually introducing new players is a real skill and without upsetting the, 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 the balance of teams. And he's been pretty good so far at actually very carefully and surgically inserting players into spaces without really um, upsetting the, the apple cart, you know, with the exception of, uh, but, but that was forced, uh, uh, you know, putting Mbappé into left back. I, I think you're right. Um, so look, what we'll do is we'll, we'll dive into the game now and, and recap all, all the key moments. Um, so obviously first up the forest goal uh, for me, it's poor marking by Deco Dover Reed. He was assigned to the man at the back post. You can see him ball watching as the ball comes in. It's it's 
good reactions by the striker, but it kind of, it feels like it just hits him on the face and goes in. Nothing Leno can do about that. Oh, good reaction. Definitely good reactions. That that was that header was not meant for, for him. It was a glance. Uh, brilliant reactions. But like you say, there, there should have been a man there uh, close to him. It was completely unmarked. Yeah, because kind of, you can kind of compare Rodak to a similar sort of thing where he's playing out of position. He's not, he's not by trade a defender. So he's never going to have that full defending instinct. I think that he kind of did. Um, if you watch it back, he's marking and he's doing that. But then um, he just gets snuck behind. And that's something that a Premier League defender would have been wary of. And he just wasn't. And I can't hate him too much for that. Yeah, I think that's all fair points. Look, it, it was... Not the. It was a bit of a scrappy goal to let in. You don't want to be letting in goals from from set pieces. I think we should be better than that. Uh, I also think if you had Robinson playing, you might have had someone a little bit speedier marking that man at the back post, and and potentially cutting that one out. And so we we went in at halftime one nil down. I think we can sort of comfortably say that we had the better of the chances in the in the first half. I do think um, at around about the 19-minute mark to like the half-an-hour mark, we did start to lack a lot of creativity. I don't know what um, like meth he sprinkled at halftime to essentially enlighten the team back up again, but he must have done something because there was there was there was a point in that end like second half period where like we were just kind of I don't want to say we were parking the bus, but we were a little bit parking the bus. And um, it didn't really look like too much was coming. Kenny Tete kind of didn't stand out. And um, even, even though he actually had a really great game um, and he's now just, you know, he, we, we're almost expecting that level of uh, high performance and combativeness, if that's even an English word, from him every week. And it's remarkable uh, how he's performing in the Premier League. I don't, I don't think many people would have picked that. I think that's the sign of a, a good player as well. Like, if you look at how Tete played, he, he does go under the radar sometimes, but his performances are superb. Like, I, I'm thinking about that block that he did sort of late in the game. He stood up the man really well, and then uh, that was against Lodi, the, the left-back, and just made sure he stood up and actually blocked what looked like, I'd say Leno would have saved anyway, but could have been a dangerous point. And at that point, I think it was about the 40th minute, if Forrest go 2-0 up going into the break, that's a that's a tough, tough halftime team talk to have and a long way back to get anything out of the game. Mm. So obviously, you know, we went in to halftime 1-0 uh, down. Uh, you know, for me, at 1-0 down, I thought... There's goals in this game still. It's definitely not over. Yeah, look, I um, you, you never know. It was kind of concerning when we went went one nil down. But one of the things I was going to say in our um, initial comments on the game is that once again we've actually come from behind, and and won. Um, and my other little comment, which is a little bit off topic from what you just asked me, the question you asked me, but. Um, it's amazing that we were all kind of a bit miffed when Nico Williams didn't take up uh, a permanent position at Fulham. And you know what? For me, 
he doesn't make our starting lineup at the uh, lineup at the moment at the back. Yeah, I'm going to say he was he was quite poor last night, and we know that he's a better player than that. He is a good he is a good right back. I think Tete this season has been better than Nico Williams played last season, but um, there are a couple of instances where Williams had the chance to put a really dangerous cross in and completely fluffed it. He took a shot at one point where he probably should have crossed again, completely fluffed that. You know, I, I think. I would have loved to have signed Nico Williams at the start of the season. Looking at it now, I'm not that disappointed that we missed out. That's hindsight, obviously, but yeah. we we definitely have enough of a right back in Tete rather than Williams. Although, arguably, um, would he be better than Mbappe? Different conversation. I don't think any of us would have expected the six minutes of madness in the second half that was our comeback. Uh who had money on Tosin Adarabaya popping up to score the equaliser? Well, he's not—he's not the most surprising um, guy to turn up in the box and and head strongly. He's—he's he's very good in the air and he's aggressive in the box. So, um, I mean, that was clearly clearly a planned move, and it was beautifully executed. But I'm not surprised at his ability to score. I mean, he's—he's he's, what six foot. Four, six foot, maybe probably six foot six. Actually, he he should be scoring. It's just a matter of if you actually do score. But um, I mean, it was a great header. It was a really good cross from Willian as well as Sam touched on at the very start. Um, and he he got up high. He got up really high, and um, you yeah. know, it was a good good finish. Well, also, you know, we've touched on this before, but it's probably. Um, this this is the first time that we're actually crossing the ball from both sides into the box with menace, you know, in a long time. So judge us, you know, at the end of the season, if the big guys in, uh, in, in the box aren't converting those. But I think they they're getting all the opportunities in the world at the moment. Yeah, I think if that's the only reason Marco Silva signed William, who like for the first half of me wasn't really giving me much, but then the second half... Like he just kind of showed his elder statesman prowess. And if all he needs to do is just give good service and then occasionally do like a good pass just because he can telegraph where it's gone. I, I I don't agree with that. I, I actually think he was part of um a, a a lot of good moves, which didn't result in goals, but a lot of creative moves going forward. He's skillful, he's got a brilliant football brain on him. He's not the player he was, but I think he's actually He's actually adapted into exactly what we all hoped he would bring to this side. Um, yeah, but I'm impatient, and I, as I said before, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to understand that. But I, I was at half time. I, I'm really super encouraged with what I saw from him, and I think he's going to be a really interesting little, um, you know, option for us. He he had a very good game, and I'll just pull up some of his stats because you know he was involved in the other goals, but this was purely his um, for the game. Williams game by numbers, hundred percent long balls completed, eighty seven percent pass accuracy, forty seven touches, thirteen final third passes, four out of five ground duels won, three key passes, and one assist. Well, you got you know that, yeah, pretty great. He has has more assists now than. Uh, half of the Chelsea midfielders so far this season. Um, <clears throat> and he's only played, what, 
I don't know. He hasn't played very much. Hasn't even played ninety minutes yet. So, uh, look, that was definitely a showing of what Willian can do. And as you mentioned, Dad, as well, um, we saw it late in the game when Kenny came on and was put on corners. You see, Kenny puts corners into a good area, but they're really floated. Um, you watch Willian and Pereira put balls into the box. They are hit well, mm. like swung in, fizzed into the box, into good areas. Uh, it makes such a massive difference. And all Tosin had to do was be in the right place, rise up high, get his head to the ball, and it's it's unstoppable at that point. Yeah, it was very noticeable, very noticeable um, when when those two were substituted, Pereira and, and, and Willian. Uh, we we uh, we were we looked we looked a little bit championship uh, from set pieces. Just the three minutes later, Sammy, I'm just going to queue up the Oscars music for you because I'm going to throw to you uh, the second goal, the one to put us ahead. The man himself, talk us through it, Sammy. He makes me feel like Jack made Rose feel in Titanic. Uh, he, I can't. I genuinely can't think of a player that we've had. Maybe Mitrovic, but this is something different. I can't think of a player that inspires more love. You know, because I don't like everything that Mitrovic does on the pitch. I love everything Joe Pelina does on a pitch. He is the greatest steal I think that we've got. He's he's top two, top three team player. But like, you can't argue with me about that. He is fantastic. I, I don't care that he got um, a yellow card. If anything, I just love him more that he felt the need to just celebrate in such a passionate way. And he's just fantastic. I can't, like, he is at the moment for me, if he stays with us for like the next three years, like fingers crossed, he is our Steven Gerrard. I can't think of like another player that inspires that level of like love and passion. And he's so passionate. And that goal that he scored was just so good. He's just awesome. He's the dog's bollocks. I love him. I love him. And and I think to be fair, it, you know, that you could easily sort of, uh, describe that goal as a you know just a massive blast from outside the box but if you look at that the shot from behind is a lot more than that it actually had quite a lot of curl yeah. on it. that started outside and came back he's in. awesome and he'll kill and you that, that was a very very good first touch yeah yeah it was a, it was a it was a great strike and you can tell it's a good strike as well by the fact that the keeper gets a fair bit on it and still can't keep it out yeah. Um, well-directed, a great pass from Tete as well, who had a really good game too. Um, he could have, you know, lofted that one into the box and aimed for Mitrovic, but the fact that Mitrovic pulls so many defenders with him during the game, this is another one of Mitrovic's positives where that you don't often see. Uh, it just creates all that space on the edge of the box, and Palinia is in acres of space. There's no one even close mm. to him. Um, he's able to just connect with it sweetly he doesn't try and overhit it which you see a lot of people do from that distance try and really swing the boot through he makes sure he makes a sweet connection top corner that uh, you know it set us off on the sofa um my son was terrified <laughs> because we both screamed because it was an absolute belter um but look i'll run through some of palinia's numbers from the game as well 100 percent tackles won, 100 percent long balls completed 87% pass accuracy, 45 touches, seven ball recoveries, four out of six aerial duels won, four out of five ground duels won, and one goal. I'm like I'm, I'm like literally three games away from getting his signature tattooed across my forehead. Like he's he's fantastic. He he did that was that was by far I, I know he's he's played well in every game so far, but I think that game 
he was a, he was a standout and i think you know the goals that he's scoring now he's got two goals for us which is great i wasn't expecting that at the start of the season he was obviously bought in as a defensive enforcer and someone who's going to win those aerial duels win the tackles just in front of the defense and protect the fact that he's getting on the score sheet as well that's good for me that's really good yeah i'll tell you as 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 time progresses as much love as we have for him I know I'm going to get myself into a position where I'm not going to love him. Um, that kind of discipline part of his game where he he just picks up too many yellow cards. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be unhappy with that eventually because we need him too badly. You know, we 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 have to we have to have him in that midfield position. Uh, we have no replacement for him, no equivalent replacement for him right now. And so as, as much as we're all prepared to let him have a holiday every five weeks, um, I I feel like we'll we'll miss we'll miss him when he's not there. I, I do agree with that somewhat, but I also think if he's genuinely winning you points in the games that he is playing in, you can you can accept some of those. If he ends up though, you know, if he once he hits ten yellow cards. He gets a two-game suspension, and once he gets fifteen yellow cards, it's a three-game suspension. Correct. So, we're talking about potentially losing him for six weeks during the season because at the rate he's going, he's probably on for twenty yellow cards, which which will see him out for mm. the whole season effectively. So, we we need we do need to be a little bit careful because you don't want to lose him for three games when we have, you know, like imagine losing him for the three of the last five games of the season. And we're trying to avoid relegation at that point. That's a that's a big out. So I I do agree with that. I think he is winning us points though. Uh, you know, he did he win us points personally in this game? I'm not sure. I think we would have won the game anyway. Um, you know, the, on that point though, I feel that the way that he galvanizes everyone. And the, like just like the passion that that man brings, I feel that it really is infectious. So I'd probably argue that he did get us three points because like I don't think Harrison Reed would have had the, like I don't think Harrison Reed probably would have had it in him. Well, I think it's very difficult. It's impossible to uh, remove, try and remove him from the story of that game, and 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 really try to imagine that game without him. I, I, we we just aren't the same unit. So I think it's very difficult. It's not only about goal-scoring opportunities. It's about what he keeps out as well and his command of the of the centre of the pitch. But the other point about um, the, the 10, 20 yellow cards, it, it, you start to become a marked man. You get a cross in your head. You know, these, these mm. refs meet all the time. They talk all the time. They know going into games who to look out for and – that he's already somewhat marked. They're watching out for him, you know. So it, it you develop a rep. Your club might love you for being an enforcer, but you develop a reputation which they, they almost expected of you, and that's not great. I actually think it's less so the referees and more the opposition players who are going to try and get, yep. you know, mm. go, go down against you more often and, yep. you know, try and rile you up. He does seem very calm, though, so I don't think he'd be able to get riled up by someone in the middle and, and like a Mitro sort of get into fights all the time. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one and something that, you know, I'm sure we'll be touching on throughout the rest of the season because 
it's it's going to happen. There's going to be issues, um, and we're going to have to deal with them. And you know, the person who's probably going to have to step into his position is our third goal scorer, the ginger Iniesta himself, Harrison Reed, with his <laughs> first goal for Fulham. I think he's played about a hundred games for us, uh, hundred league games at least. Is that right? Sounds about right. Something like that. Um, so look, Harrison Reed's first Fulham goal and great finish as well, Dad. Uh, how how were you? How, how did you see the goal? Well, look, it it, it was a good finish. Uh, so many of those, uh, I, I've witnessed so many of those going wide and over the top of the crossbar <laughs> with great frustration over the years. But you know, I, I I love the fact that he scored because I think he deserved it, and he deserves this for everything he's done so far this year. I I I think um, Friday night was. Um, the first time I saw him actually appear so far up the pitch, and I remember I was talking about that while we were watching the game, um, I think there was a subtle change in the way that we were deploying him on Friday night, which was exciting. So in defence, sitting back, partnering Polinia, and then going forward, you know, he's he's right in the mix, and, and, and there he was in, in space, um, you know, ready to put one away. Look, he's not—he's not the most skillful guy uh, with his with his eyes towards goals. But um, I, I love his heart and his passion and his engine. It's incredible. Um, so I, I'm really happy that he scored, and um, um, you know, I think it 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 proves we still haven't quite got that right. We still haven't got the, you know. The, the multiple players streaming into the box, um, you know, just pouncing on on balls getting uh, smashed across the area. We still don't have that in our in our game, and and I, I, I guess there's always room for improvement. But that's kind of where I want to want to see us end up. I, I mean, I don't think Reed is ever going to be that bloke streaming into the box. It, I was shocked to see him there. He's he's never in that position. <laughs> Usually, if Reed's having a shot, there's about 13 other players in the box um, and his shots get blocked. He's I have to say, he's actually, he's had a lot of shots blocked this year. A lot of them would have been on target. So it was nice to see him actually get a chance, you know, without a, a mass of players in the way for him to actually have a strike at goal. And he struck it really well. It was really good technique. Didn't try and overhit it again, let the ball hit his foot, sort of guided it into that far corner and, um, a really, a really solid finish, and I'm just happy for him. He's only ever scored four goals before this in his career of 220 odd games, um, and he hasn't scored a goal since 2018. So it was, it was great to see him finally score and and actually make a mark on the game because you can tell. And I think I watched some of the behind the scenes um, Fulham stuff. I don't know if you've watched any of that full access on, on the Fulham website. The guys were teasing him as well about it. He's having shots at goal all the time and can't score. The guys are giving him a lot of banter in the in the physio room and in the change room, and it's good to see that he's finally got one on the score sheet because he he'll enjoy that. And I, the guys around him enjoyed it just as much. I don't know if you saw the celebrations afterwards; they loved it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I think at the end of the day, like sport is just about narratives, and it was just such a wonderful moment. 
like, it was just such a lovely, lovely moment to finally have him get that. And um, also, if you go back to last podcast, I said he might score against Chelsea. So mm-hmm. there's that little piece of foresight for you. I have to re-listen to that to fact check that. Um, so that that was the the red goal. So we went from one nil down at fifty four minutes to three one up at sixty minutes. Um, not long after that, there was an attempt miss that I think should have been a goal. Was the goal scorer again uh, a one a one year? I think his name was. Um, I don't know if you remember. It's pretty much the same thing happened. Another flick on header at the near post from a corner. He was at the back post. Reed let him go again, completely unmarked at the back post and somehow managed to put the header wide. Um, that was a massive let off for us. Um, after that, we we definitely did shore it up. Yeah, look, it's one of those things for me at least where as much as I really like all the characters in our defence and I think I, I love older statesman Tim Ream, we, we, we're still not top we're probably not top six defense team yet and um yeah i think just letting goals slip like that kind of shows it because there is a weird breakdown going on there and like i don't know it just felt like we lost our composure and just yeah feels like a concentration error um i don't know maybe we just got a little bit carried away with ourselves and the euphoria of scoring three games three goals so quickly and feeling like we had the game wrapped up feels more like a, a I, I agree with you sam that you know we're we're not top four five six defensively but geez we're competitive and we've we've got backup so we can rotate um look i i wouldn't want to I, I i thought both of their goals were pretty lucky to be honest you know i thought they were lucky it, it for me, yeah for me both of their goals just does really highlight the fact that our, no, our defense can, isn't but top can, tier, can and that's you, okay. Can you blame Leno for both those goals? I think he had no chance in either of those goals. Christ, you, no. you definitely can't blame Leno for those. I think the the first goal you can blame on poor defending from Decadova Reed, that will definitely be addressed on the training ground in the next week because twice he let his man go. He was only punished once. He should have been punished twice. The second one, I, at the time, I said Tosin should have actually done better and put that ball out. It was a little bit behind him, so it I understand was. why he didn't put it out. But I think you've got to do better there as a defender. You can't effectively stop the ball and have it just sitting in the box waiting for someone to to sure. clean it up because it basically gave the bloke a, from 18 yards a, a free shot on goal and nine and a half times out of 10, you're going to score that. So after that goal, obviously 3-2, we, we actually, I have to say, we didn't look nervous. There's been times in the past where we have looked nervous at 3-2 and it's been a really tough last sort of 10 minutes or so. Uh, this was probably the most comfortable I felt. Uh, I felt we were going to hold out no matter what happened. Um, one thing to note, the the Dan James chance towards the end there, I think he thought he might have been offside, but he took such mm-hmm. a long time not attacking the keeper and then put a shot basically straight into the keeper's arms. No idea what was happening there. Um, he he did well once he came on though, so I was I was happy with his performance in general. Um, just to touch on our defense though, um, you both both sort of said we're not a top six defense. I don't know if you've looked at the our, not just our goal difference, but our goals conceded. There are only three teams who've conceded more goals than us this season. That's Leicester, Forest themselves, and Bournemouth. 
uh, all three of those sides have had a spanking in there as well. If you take those spankings out, we pretty much statistically have the one of the worst defences in the Premier League this season. So it is something we need to be a little bit wary of. We are scoring goals to counteract that, but we are conceding quite a lot of goals. There's only yeah. um, us, Southampton, Villa, Bournemouth, Forest and Leicester who've conceded 10-plus goals. It It's something to slightly worry about because even the teams like Everton who are down the bottom, they've played six but only conceded six. Uh, West Ham down the bottom played six, only conceded eight. We've played seven, conceded eleven. Not not something to be wor- too worried about at the moment, but I I would just put it out there that we do need to shore up the defence a little bit more. I think when Robinson comes back, we've got a much more stable back four, and we're doing well so far. But you can't keep conceding goals at that level because it means you have to keep scoring goals at that level as well, which is a big ask in the Premier League. It's a- yeah, look, I think yeah, I think that um, Silver's shown that he's an excellent manager, like working with the defensive unit that he has, and yeah, like we've said it a thousand times here, like Tim Ream is a revitalized version of himself, but he's still Tim Ream. Like he's the best version of Tim Ream that I think we've ever seen, but it's still Tim Ream. Um, he's not he's not Tiago Silva or any of those kind of like top four defenders he's not Varane um and um yeah so I think you can really only do so much with these guys given like their level of talent um yeah what, what's interesting yeah. is that you're right Jack about the number of goals we're leaking but going into the Forest game statistically Tete and Ream were right up there in terms of defensive effective defensive stats all right that's because they've had to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 Robinson has played really well. And I think not 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 only going forward, he's actually defended well. Um, which seems to suggest uh statistically or numerically that it must be Tosin causing the problem. Oh, can we get into your hatred of Tosin? I love your hatred. No, of that's not that's not true. I, I have also seen some stats saying that Tosin is having quite a good season though, but if you if you consider this, Palinia has the highest tackle rate in the league. Tete, Robinson, and Ream are all right up there for highest tackle rates or aerial jewels one or ground jewels one or clearances. The defense is working overtime at the moment and we're still conceding mm-hmm. goals. It sounds very negative to, to say mm-hmm. after a win, but is it something we do actually need to be a little bit worried about? Because eventually the striker, I mean, Mitrovic will stop scoring goals and we're going to dry up a little bit up front. It happens every season to every club. Um, at that point, are we going to be getting spanked in a few games? Well, it's it's really interesting because I think we, what we're doing here is, is peeling back the layers and actually, you know, even though we're, we're winning and we're scoring goals and statistically there's some really promising things, there's some concerns still. So I'm, I'm all for, which which is why a big 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 takeaway and piece of sort of satisfaction and enjoyment from the forest game for me was the introduction the really successful introduction of Diop um, because that I mean you, you you my my question to myself was so when Robinson's fit who's going to miss out mm. I mean yeah, I mean you'd, you'd have to assume. To you'd have to assume at, at this point, 
uh, Diop misses out, but then there's some rotation because, as Silver said in his post-match, Ream is 34 and he's playing at the top level. How how realistic is it for him to continue to be able to do that? Not very. Realistically, there's not many 34-year-olds out there in the Premier League defensively who are doing it every single week. I know there's a handful, but, you know, at that age and with the pace that he already possessed, he's he's not going to be able to make it through every week chasing chasing down blokes who are two, three times faster than him. So I think we're going to see a lot of rotation through the season in that back, back four, or the, probably the central two more than the back four. And I think Diop actually getting a start last night, last night, the night before, is the start of that rotation. So selfishly, and probably realistically, Ream doesn't make the American team for the World Cup. So he actually gets a good break. Um, did, did you yeah. see the man the comments from the USA manager? Yeah. He basically said, Ream is not fast enough to play in my team. Yeah. Which but, is fair. Which, which, is fair. which is fair, but Silver is also making him look like an idiot by saying that. <laughs> yeah. Because he's he's been one of the best defenders in the league so far. But surely Silver would be thinking, you know, personally for you, Tim, I hope you make it and 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 see out your your international career. But it couldn't come at a better time for him to have a break and get some, you know, freshness back into his legs. And then the final project is Kazawa match fit and um and Babu finding a way to 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 be effective at this level. Right. So what we'll do just to wrap up this forest game, which was a great victory for us with six in the table. Uh, but Sammy, I'll start with you. I don't know why I'm even bothering starting with you because I know your answer. Who's your man of the match? You know, no, don't bullshit oh. me. Come on. I know who your man of the match is. Yeah. It's Chapelino. Isn't it? I was, I was going to be smart and be like, I loved what Mitrovic did, but it's Chapelino. Of course, Chapelino. Uh, dad, man of the match. Um, for me, it's a tie between Diop and uh, Polinia. Uh, I thought I thought Diop was great. Um, you know, not only defensively, carried the ball forward, really confident on both feet. I, it was very evident to me how um, how confident the people around him were to give him the ball, and I I, I thought he was really good. Yeah, look, I'd I'd have to agree with both the both of your picks in Palinia and um and Diop. I would, I might go a little bit left field though, and I'm going to say, um, for me it was a tie between Willian and Harrison Reed. I think Willian was involved in some way in all of the goals, um, and as as we went through his stats earlier, he he had a ripper game. He played really really well. Um, and Harrison Reed, not just for his first goal, but for the fact that he played a very versatile role in the game. He pushed forward a lot, but also tracked back and was on in our box defending a lot through the game as well. So I think his his motor through the game can't be discounted. I think he, he was very important to the fact that we got a win there yesterday. Let's take a quick little break now, and when we come back, we'll discuss the fixtures that we have coming up in October and how we think we'll fare. So look, 
great game for us. Great win. We're sixth in the league. Obviously, we got a game in hand over some sides there, but um, we've already nabbed ourselves 11 points so far this season, uh, which I think, you know, if, if anyone had offered us 11 points from seven games at the start of the year, considering we had Liverpool, Arsenal, and um, obviously we haven't had to play Chelsea, but Liverpool, Arsenal, and Spurs, even in those first seven games, uh, I would have bitten their hand off at that because effectively that's winning your other four games against Wolves, Brighton. We, we've had a really good start to the season. And talking on that, let's look at our upcoming fixtures. So let's just look at the next six games just to not look too far into the future. That takes us through the whole of October. So I'll just run through those games now. Um, the start of October, because we've obviously got the international break coming up, we've got uh, Fulham at home to Newcastle. We then go away to West Ham on the Sunday after. Uh, the next Saturday, the 15th of October, Fulham play Bournemouth. Uh, unfortunately, not a Scott Parker reunion that day. Uh, we have a Thursday mm -hmm. night game against Aston Villa uh, on that same week. Uh, then we travel to Leeds on the Sunday. So that's a very busy little period there where we go Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, uh, three games in eight days. And then we finish October uh, against Everton at home. So we've got home games against Newcastle, Bournemouth, Villa and Everton, away games at West Ham and Leeds. What are your thoughts on our run of fixtures? And can you give me a rough indication of how many points you think we're going to get out of those games? So I actually look at that um, really hopefully. I, I don't, I'm not scared of any of those games. I think notably there's four games out of six which are at home. We're, we're a we're a difficult team at home. Well, I think we're at very much at our best at home, and even against teams who are potentially better than us, uh, you know, we're we're difficult. Um, I, I'm going to say in every one of those games, I feel like we're, we're going to score two goals at least in every game. Um, the only teams. Um, they're that uh, tricky for us. I think uh, Leeds and Newcastle as the toughest games. The, the rest of them really don't bother me. And I, I know you can't say that in the Premier League, um, but you know we're, we're we're sitting. What are we sixth at the moment? Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Brentford behind us, all with a game in hand. Um, I can't see. I can't see Brentford beating Arsenal. Um, never going to happen. So that makes, you know, we, we, we're not at the end of the, the when everyone's played seven, seven games, we're still in really good shape. Right. So in terms of points, will you do the maths for me? I, I see um, Winter Newcastle, a win away to, um, I, see, I see, yeah, I see a win at home to Newcastle. I know that might be contentious, but I, I think we can do that. Uh, away to West Ham. I think we can beat West Ham. Um, Bournemouth, I think we'll smash them at home. Um, again, home to Aston Villa, we'll beat them. Away to Leeds, I think a draw. That'll be in a, a very busy little period. Um, it's away. I, I think we'll it'll be a two-all draw, and I think we'll beat Everton at home. So what's that, 15, 16 points, Jack? You've given me 16, 16 points there. Jack, which I, means I'm believing it. after... After 13 games, we'd have 27 points. Well, meaning effectively, with our with our remember this conversation. 
uh, well, I'll I'll get to Sam in a minute. He's probably going to predict eighteen. But well, okay, uh, okay. I mean, all right. <laughs> Let let's say there's going to be one upset in there for us, and we'll you know we'll absolutely screw something up just because. Um, and hopefully it's not a game like Bournemouth where we should beat them easily. But I'm still saying we're good for twelve plus points in that period. Yeah, look, uh, well, put it this way, your your 16 points you just predicted, that gives us 27 points after 13 games. The the magic number is obviously 40. That means we have 25 remaining games to to basically get four wins, and that gives us safety. It does mean, it does show how important this next six games is because we, we could effectively almost guarantee ourselves safety if we get you know, a very good string of results here. I mean, I'm not saying dad's wrong, but they're very, very close to my FIFA career mode statistics is all I'm just going to say there. <laughs> um, New, like for me, Newcastle, and to be honest, maybe weirdly either Aston Villa or Everton, I reckon they might, they might get us just in kind of like a random kind of, they pull the banners up and then just, go hard at us. I could see us maybe slipping up there. Um, I reckon we'll draw against Newcastle. Um, they're pretty much the only one that like actually stresses me out. I think we'll beat West Ham. I think we'll beat Bournemouth. Um, that Aston Villa leads Everton eight day stretch or whatever. Mm. I, I, re- I reckon we might, I reckon we might drop a point there. Yeah, really, really the only the only game that kind of gives me stress. And stress isn't really the right word because I'm not stressed at this point. Like eleven like what are we eleven points from seven games? It's ridiculous. Like and like it's important to note that for Newcastle, we're not gonna have Palina. So I'm almost kind of expecting at least a draw. I I I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'm not sure if we're gonna beat Newcastle. I I can't say I can't say that definitively that we will. But um Bournemouth and West Ham, yeah, I think we'll batter them. And um, that's a very good yeah. point, actually. I wasn't considering losing Polinia against Newcastle. That's that's I, that that's significant. I re- I reckon we're looking at like eight points. I reckon we'll get about eight points. I'm somewhere in between the two of you. I think Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle are, are that strong a side. They've got Sam Maximan out as well. He's their biggest attacking threat. Not a hundred percent. Oh, actually, he'll probably be right for the international after the international break. So we've got a bit of time. But you know, I think we're we're likely to have Robinson back for that game, and we're also likely to have Harry Wilson back for that game. I say likely, but it's a possibility we'll have Harry Wilson back for that game. Um, I think there's more just like an energy with Newcastle at the moment. Like they're 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 really cooking something there, and it's kind of similar I to have us. Thought so. They they their results haven't been great so far this season. They drew against Man City. So Newcastle's last games, they drew one all with Bournemouth, nil nil with Crystal Palace, lost two one to Liverpool, drew one all with Wolves. They had a good result against Man City, but they've beaten Forest and drew with Brighton. They they haven't had a very exciting season they've only scored more than one goal twice this year uh i'm not too worried about newcastle i do think we're not going to win the game though i think it's going to be a draw i think we'll draw with west ham i think we're writing them off 
they they finished seventh last year. They're a good side. I don't know why we're writing them off as if they're they're crap because they're they've started the season poorly. They're they're not. We'll batter Bournemouth. That's an easy three points. Villa. I I the only thing I think is a bit of a worry there is the fact that it's a Saturday and then a Thursday. Um, Thursday night games are always a bit dodgy. I wouldn't be surprised if we rest a couple of players for the more important game against Leeds on the weekend because Villa haven't looked that good this season. I reckon that's going to be a draw. Um, Leeds, I think we'll actually beat Leeds away. I don't think Leeds are as scary as they used to be. No, um, no, way. no way. And then I'm not sure if it's going to be a win or a draw against Everton. I, I'll say a draw, but I'm hoping for a win. So I, I'm I'm guessing about 10 points, which is somewhere in between the two of you guys. Um, you know, and... I think anything from nine points onwards to get us to 20 points after 13 games would be a huge, huge victory. Because as I said, you've got 25 games after that to pick up less than a point a game to to guarantee survival. And I think survival this year is going to be a much lower number than the 40 it always has been. Mm. So I think, you know, having looked at these games now, it's it's a really important little period for us. Imagine if we do 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 what dad said and actually pick up you know, 16 points from these games. God, it's a flying run, to be fair, and we'd be doing incredibly well. But we put ourselves in a position where we only need four wins for the whole of the rest of the season to survive. My little brain cannot comprehend that. Like, it's yeah, that's that's too that's too above my level of understanding. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna auto correct myself here. That 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 can't be right. With Polinia out, um, where I think, you know. Newcastle, okay, it's at home, but I'm I'm going to say draw. I'm going to say draw against Newcastle. Even then, that you you've still predicted fourteen points, which puts us on twenty five after thirteen games, which is still okay. Five wins for the next twenty five games. It's still a win every five games, and you you survive. I don't um, think that's predicted a loss yet, to be honest. No, Statistic- I don't statistically, think any of us have. no, but statistically, you know, out of those six games, there has to be a slip up. Uh, 100%. And a, and, and a mess up. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, we could get a red card in one of the games where we're, you know, a, a goal up at half time and get a red card and lose the game. You know, so statistically, something has to break and um, we we ha- then we'll have to reset and go again. But, um, you know, so f- but for me, it's probably down at 12 points. Yeah, from that Thursday onwards, I think we'll lose one game, but I, I can't I can't tell you which one. I don't even think we'll lose a game. I, I can't see this side currently losing a game, but I can definitely see a draw sneaking into a handful of those games. Mm. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we did lose a game, but I reckon we'll draw half of them and win the other half. That would give us a, a comfortable 12 points, which would be a really good return. But um, you're right. You're 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 absolutely right. If you, if you think about this in the context of the season, the break at the end of it, you know, we, we've... <laughs> If we do anywhere near what we're predicting, we've set ourselves up. Well, at that point, we're talking about going into November, genuinely, not going to say European spots, but genuinely thinking we're we're a top half side because mm. you're going into November with 13 games under your belt. You're, you're actually not even... I, I know the, the focus will still be on surviving and avoiding relegation, but deep down, the guys will all be going, how high can we get here? Because... If you get yourself to fifty odd points, you're you're talking, you know, decently into the top half at that point and slipping into European spot as well. So it's it's not out of the question. We've seen Wolves do it before. We've seen Leeds do it before. 
like come up and have a really good season. It's possible to do. We just have to actually make sure that we we take the opportunities that are coming to us in the next in the next month, in the next six games. It's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out because we've had a really rough start to the season where we're looking at Man City, Arsenal, sorry, not Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs. And all of a sudden we've got six fixtures where you're not seeing any team inside the top half. That's that's huge. That's worked really well for us to get through that first period and come into the second period with a lot of positivity. So are we saying Champions League? Uh, well, uh, I'm I'm not going to call it call it yet, but geez, it's it's looking good this year. So look, what we'll do, we'll we'll take a little break and then we'll move on to the final part of the podcast where we're just going to go through a couple of little observations over the last few weeks and uh, wrap it up. Righto, so um, other news that's happened in the last week. Obviously, there's been a handful of departures from the club. I don't know if you guys saw uh, Cavalero and Knockart have both left on loan. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm. It, it's, it's right that those guys move on. I think there's no way they, they play a part in what we're doing right now, um, and um, you know, they, they, they were costing us some pretty decent wage money every week yeah um so yeah cavalier for me i feel like cavalier like he, we can't we can't fully be like uh glad to be rid of cavalier he did he did do good things for us um i think he tried hard he tried hard he tried hard um, I'm trying so hard to be respectful about Anthony Knockhart. I'm sorry, Anthony, if you're listening, but I just, uh, just uh, he's never really been my kind of player. I I think my biggest comment about um, Cavalero is what was Parker thinking? Oh, don't even. That, that he was a better answer or a better solution than Mitro. Parker's, that just... Parker's not allowed to be mentioned on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Don't even. Yeah. Uh, look, for me, I think it says it all when you have your two starting wingers in Wilson and Solomon both injured, and those guys still don't even make the bench. They were never going to be a part of the squad this season. And so it's good that they've gone on loan. They actually get to play. Uh, I expect we won't see them in a Fulham show ever again at this point. Um, so thanks for the Mems. But it would have been better. Also, it would have surely been better, a better outcome if we'd actually offloaded them and sold them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at least picked up a little bit of cash in addition to lightening up the payroll so that sure. we could at least be thinking positively about spending more money in January. Yeah, we're gonna make on... up all that money and prize money at the end of the season. <laughs> I know we're on Knockhart and um Cavalera, but I do think we should also probably mention Joe Bryan because uh, mm. he scored for Nice in Europa League, I think. And um, we did just let go a perfectly good left back or silver let go a perfectly good left back. There's a lot of love in Fulham, at Fulham for Joe Bryan. I think he's been, you know, really great for us. And mm. it's, it's unfortunate that he hasn't been able to uh, be part of it really. Yeah. Uh, I agree. We, we, probably let go of him when we actually needed him. Mm-hmm. But we have bought Kazar in in his place effectively. So I'm not overly 
stressed about it. It's good to see him getting games. He's obviously wasn't going to be part of the team going forward this season anyway. So I'm glad he's gone to Nice and he's actually getting games. Um, and it's great to see that he scored as well. I think it was in the first minute of their game, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> so the other bit of news as well is the international call-up for Luke Harris to the Wales senior squad as well. So mm-hmm. obviously Harris isn't a player that we've seen pulling on a Fulham shirt very often so far, but he's caught the eye of the Welsh team. I think I saw the Welsh manager comment, you know, um, if he's performing well, we want to see him. We want to get him in his Welsh shirt. So um, any other thoughts on that? I don't know if you guys have seen any of his highlights or or seen much of Luke Harris. Well, for, uh, you know, Silver obviously thinks very highly of him. And um, he, he actually was, he was on the bench. Um, so who knows? Maybe we, we will see something of him. Yeah, with Luke Harris, um, I think it's just good to see a young player like that actually get their opportunity. I'm sure they'll be, I'm sure like, I mean, he, he'll be in the Wales squad as like a prospect anyway. So hopefully he actually gets like a decent look in. I don't really know what Wales plans are for him. Um, but yeah, just wait. It's just be good to wait and see. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. You just want to hope that we can actually transition some of these um, young players and keep them. You know, because we're not very good at that. We're really not very good at that. Yeah, I was going to say I look forward to seeing him in a Liverpool shirt next season. <laughs> well, um, look, I mean, like we've been bad like in like the past couple of years at keeping players. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Fulham hasn't really had like as good of a story about them. And now I think we have a good story about us. So who's to say, who's to say um, if we get like our next, like Calvario or Seth and Young, they might be like, I want to stay and be a part of this and see this through. I think a lot of the issues we've had are the fact that we're constantly avoiding relegation or pushing for promotion. You don't have, the ability to blood young players like Luke Harris when you've got games that you have to win. Yeah. If we if we let's say we get to safety with 30 games gone, we hit 40 points after 30 games, you probably say, Luke, go out there and play in the last eight games, or at least get, you know, 60 minutes, maybe get your first start for the team. We actually have the ability to give him some game time because we're safe. I, I, we haven't been able to do that. You saw with Harvey Elliott, we were trying to survive, and then we ended up just throwing him on at the last couple of games. And he proved he's proving how good he is now. And mm. same with Carvalho, <clears throat> you know, he he managed to get a. He probably could have been playing in the Premier League, but because we were fighting for survival, we weren't able to give him game time. We obviously promised him game time in the Championship, which is what he stayed for. But he was obviously too good for for the championship as well, and he's he's doing good things at Liverpool. So it'll be interesting to see this season if we do achieve safety earlier to see how much uh, of a chance Harris is actually given in the side. Arguably, financially, the the Fulham Academy is probably still making money, and you know from a, from a financial perspective, you know that the, the I'm, I'm I'm sure the income exceeds the expenses. You know, on these guys, you pick up. A few million, even though you should be keeping these guys and you know bringing them on into your your first team, you, you pick up a few million every twenty players. You're probably doing pretty well. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for clubs like Southampton that their entire structure is literally around developing players and then selling them for a bigger return. 
the the biggest positive is Luke Harris signed a professional contract on Friday. So he's yeah. he's locked in till I think it was till 2025. So his first contract, three-year contract, that's that's good because it means that clubs have to actually come in and pay good money for him. Whereas we've had to let go, um, let go of Elliot by the tribunal. Carvalho let his contract expire and then just move for free. Um, we're actually going to get if he does go at the end of the season because clubs are clamoring over him. We can push for big, big dollars at that point. Uh, and hopefully he does stay around and gets a bit of exposure this season and then next season and further on he can play even more and we'll we'll see what happens. It's exciting, but I just hope we actually see him play in a Fulham shirt more than we saw someone like Harvey Elliott before he gets snapped up by another tide. Well Stansfield's mm-hmm. the other one, you know, you know, hopefully we all know why why he's gone. But hopefully he comes back um and, and can actually be a part of the, the senior team. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Stansfield is as big a talent as Luke Harris. Um, he's he's a talented player, but I don't think there's clubs clam clambering for him. I think he's a good player, but he's not he's not a standout. That sounds really harsh, but no, it's fair though. <laughs> like if like if the, if he was a standout and there were clubs clamoring for him in the way that they clamored of like Cess Elliott and um, Carvalho, we would we would very much know by now. Yeah, he's he's a solid player, and hopefully someone you develop, and he ends up playing a couple of hundred games for Fulham over the next six or seven years, and is a good squad player. But he's not going to set the world alight. He's not pushing an England spot like someone like Harvey Elliott. There's little chirps around of him getting a call up for the England team, and I think it's actually fair at the moment as well. Mm. Um, so look, the other thing just to touch on, we're obviously going into an international break, so uh, we work out how we pod during that period. Not sure exactly what we're going to do yet, but we'll try and maybe cover um, a bit of Fulham news during those this next couple of weeks. But another thing to consider as well is the fact that we've got a couple of injuries in the squad at the moment and how this international break actually works in our favour. So don't have all of the news at the moment, but we're assuming that Robinson, seeing as Silver said it was touch and go for this game, Robinson will be back come the 1st of October. And by the looks of seeing Wilson in training, he's probably not far off as well. Um, How do you guys see those two returning affecting the side going forward? Well, you know, Robinson's injury, I think they're being cautious and what a a luxury to be able to be with with Robinson. Um, You know, I'd be surprised if... Wilson was back. I'm sure he's going to be back in the next few weeks, but I'd be amazed if he was back by the 1st of October. It's a big deal coming back from a major injury to playing Premier League football. Um, So in my head, I'm not even certain that I can believe that he's going to be back by the 1st of October. If If he is fit and available, does he start? To play a full game, almost no chance. So he'll come off the bench, surely. Look, you know, Cabano, um, in the pecking order, it looks like Cabano sits behind uh, Bobby Deckard over Reed, um, which is probably fair, but may also be indicative of our left-back problems at the moment. If, if Robinson was fit and... We didn't need Bobby's defensive capability. Maybe Bobby would be 
maybe you know he'd be in doubt as well um i look these are these are good problems to have these are really good problems uh to be trying to solve at the moment uh but i i just can't see that wilson is going to be coming back in full force um come the uh first of october yeah i mean echoing what dad said i think um it's I, I can't I can't see him starting when he gets back. Um, I'm just going to talk more about when Wilson gets back as opposed to if and when it'll be directly after the international break. Um, I think it'll probably take him like maybe a week or two, maybe even three to get like comfortable. But yeah, like the, it, these are very good problems. <laughs> I'm happy that we have these problems aside from the plethora of problems we've had in the last couple of seasons, like to choose between James Wilson, um, William, like what, what, what are we complaining about here? Yeah. I think well, there's certainly no complaints. I think yeah. also again, um, you know, knee injuries are pretty difficult. It's, it's rare to see a player come back, uh, you know, with full force, with full pace, with full confidence to prop and turn after a knee injury. And a player like Harry Wilson is pretty wiry and he's quick. Um, you know, that that's a the stability and strength of his knees, I imagine, is a big part of his game. Right. So I I think the 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 X factor in the interim has to be um us finding a way to make Dan James successful in, in this side and be pushing really strongly for a start because it hasn't really worked for me him coming off the bench for 10 minutes i i know what yeah. he can do but it's I, I it feels like he needs to force his way in for whatever reason and get a whole game and get a start to be part of it i agree i agree i i like that's probably like my last and only point that i have i want to see i want to see dan james start because like yeah he's not an impact sub in the way that i think that william could probably be because william's just got that level of skill and precision that he doesn't but the energy that dan james can bring from a start i want to i want to see that i want to see him like a gas um whatever like left or right back that they have in any team i i i just want to i just want to know what that's like just so my morbid curiosity can fade away i'm gonna sort of disagree and say that dan james is the perfect impact sub i think when you got someone with that kind of pace bringing him on 60 minutes into a game and having him run as hard as he can and really mess around with the defence is exactly what you want from him. I think the one thing to say is so far this season, we haven't actually needed him to do that because he's come into games where we're leading. Like mm, I think that that good. instance where he sort of fluffed his potential opportunity, um, I reckon he had got instructions to basically not time waste as such, but to hold the ball and get to the corners, he got the ball and went, shit, what am I meant to do here? Am I meant to go to the corner or yeah. should I actually take on the keeper here? I, I think he he hasn't had the right game situation to actually exploit what we want from him because he hasn't needed to so far. Yeah, I think when, we, no, I when you're going into a game when he comes off the bench and we're 1-0 down, that's different because the opposition are sitting back and he's going fucking wild at them makes a big difference. Mm. 
No, I don't think um, I, th- I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right. My only thing is just like the the at the time of recording, um, we just haven't seen that impact sub level. I've not, like it's Dan James. I've got no doubt he can do that. I agree. We haven't seen the impact that we probably hope for from him yet, um, and I'm hopeful that we mm. do see that soon. But also, when we do see that, it probably means we're losing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, look, I've got one point which I've been sort of thinking about and uh, thinking about ways in which we can improve and be even more threatening. And I I still think that there's a massive room for improvement. In that sort of last 30 yards, we still don't really move the ball that quickly. It's improved hugely from last year, but I reckon we're not going to open up really good defences until we do that and I, I just feel like we um there, there's still there's still something we can we can we can improve on there yeah I, I'd agree with that I think I think it's it's tough when you probably don't have your best wingers and I think we're going to start seeing it more as Willian plays as Dan James plays and then as Wilson and Solomon come into the team I, d- I don't think Cabano and Decadova Reed are those players who can open up a defense. Um, I think Pereira is, but he hasn't really had the support around him to be able to do it yet. I think he's got the support behind him and directly in front of him, but you also need the wingers working on your side as well for that to actually come off. So I think, I think that'll improve as we go. Um, And I think we're showing already from set pieces that we have the skill to be able to actually cause problems. So I'm not too worried about that. I do get your point though, that, we haven't looked as maybe clinical so far and we've been carried a little bit by Mitro being Mitro and then by other good performances around the park, individual performances. But I, th- I think you're probably right that we are missing that little killer edge at the moment that would just take us to the next level. But again, that is the next level if we get that. And 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 as I've said this before, if we can actually develop that style of play, there's a there's another... There's another dimension to Mitro, which comes out from time to time. He's great on that little one-touch stuff in the box. He's really good. He's got really good vision, and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. I mean, I, I completely agree with everything that we're talking about, but we're, we're kind of comparing full, and I love that we're doing this, but kind of comparing Fulham to like a top four squad now, because this is literally what the top four squads like need to do. And we are still full of, it's awesome that we, it's awesome that we're talking. We're only way, two but... points outside the top four. I know it's awesome, isn't it? It's great. <laughs> but like... no, 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 I, I don't believe we're dreaming at all here. I think, I think I'm certain that Silva believes that this is possible for us. Mate, we're going to win the premiership if you're the one like booking it at the moment. <laughs> like, I mean, I wouldn't be mad. Would not be mad at all. Righto. Look, I think we've come to a natural close there. So, what a great podcast to do though after a great win like that um really enjoyed going back over the forest game which was you know just a really as we all said a really enjoyable game to watch uh and a really great win for fulham as well so look sammy thank you for taking the time out to record i'm genuinely exhausted at how excited i was it was a pleasure to be here and dad thanks again for uh Yeah, I really enjoyed the chat. It was great stuff. Good stuff, guys. Uh, Enjoy the international break. 
Uh, we'll definitely get to another podcast during that period. Uh, we'd love for you guys to get involved as well. Uh, you would have seen hopefully our Facebook page, our Instagram, uh, our email address. I've put a link tree up with this podcast and also on all our socials so you can follow us across the board. We'd love for you guys to get engaged, send in questions by email or commenting on our pages. Um, get involved with the pod, especially if you're from down under. And uh, yeah, we really look forward to recording the next one and, and uh, hope to talk to you all soon. In the meantime, come on, you whites. <laughs>